July 14, 2006, the president of Samsung came down to talk to these new college hires. And he made some comment about how his door is always open. Come see him. Want to learn more about the business and some sort of offhanded comment like that. I then came in early the next day and went to the president's office and he has like a secretary sitting outside and said, Hey, I'm here to see the president met him yesterday at this orientation thing. And he said, he always has this open door policy. And she was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like you don't have a meeting with him. Like, what do you, <laughs> what do you mean? And I said, he, he literally yesterday invited us to see him at any time. And she called him and he said, yeah, send him right in. And I went in and ended up spending 30, 40 minutes chatting with him about my, you know, two days of experience so far and what my goals were and thoughts were. And ultimately, um, that put me on a path that the other 144 new college hires were not on. And he said to me, no one, he'd been given that speech a long time and no one had ever taken him up on it, let alone the next day. And, you know, that's not something that you learn in a book. That's not something that you need to see. All it is, is, you know, taking a very small risk and being curious about what would it look like if I went up to his office and sat down and we had an awesome time. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. In today's episode, I speak with Graham Wasilishin. He is a father, husband, and curious entrepreneur with a background in CPG. As a co-founder of Tennyson, Graham and his business partners are on a mission to help themselves and others create, build, and achieve their best lives. They believe that a night well spent helps motivate you to get the most out of every day. So they crafted the world's most flavorful, complex, and original non-alcoholic spirit so that you can sip with intention. This episode is jam-packed with information on how to live a more intentional lifestyle, as well as how you can bring your ideas to life regardless of your current circumstances. Let's welcome to the show, Graham Wasilishin. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. And today is a special day because it's my buddy Graham's birthday. <laughs> Thanks, dude. And he decided to join it with me. So I'm super thankful for that. But let me introduce him, Mr. Graham Wasilishin, like ammunition. That's, that's perfect. He, that's how he described how I say his last name. But we're going to kick it right into high gear here as Graham is the founder of a company called Tennyson. And we're actually going to try his product right now live while I'm recording this podcast. So if you're viewing the video, you'll be able to see this. But if you're on audio, um, you'll just have to hear how we go about this. So what do we have in front of me right now? Perfect. So this is our Tennyson um, plant-based elk alternative. So idea is we wanted to replicate the spirit experience, something complex, sophisticated, and sippable, but use ingredients that are generally good for like gut, brain, and skin health. Um, but with the main goal to be something sophisticated and complex enough that it felt worthy to drink in a moment where you would sort of generally reach for a adult beverage. 
So I poured it on the rocks for you to try it just kind of straight up on the rocks. And then I have a little bit of sparkling water. Um, some people like to uh, sort of lengthen it. It is not meant to taste like a whiskey, a rum, or a gin. Um, it's kind of its own original take on things. Um, we found that people that were trying to mock our whiskey or rum or a gin were coming up a little bit short once you take the booze out of it. And we didn't want to have that sort of set of expectations that people knew what something should taste like and not. So we did our own original thing, but like sipping a whiskey, it's not for everybody to sip on the rocks because some people like that bolder, warmer, more complex feeling. So I have a little bit of sparkling water to lengthen it after you give it a taste on the rocks. So, all right, let's give this a go. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Happy Thanks birthday. Thank you for coming through. Much. All right. Let's give this bad boy a taste. Mm. What are you tasting? Kind of tart, mm -hmm. which I like. Let's go for a second sip here. And then we can throw a little sparkling in it as well to lengthen it because it is a little. It is tart. A, it is a little like much for, for some people. But I always say too, kind of when you, when you get into sipping kind of premium sophisticated things the third sip is always a sip where you start to get it the first one kind of like shocks your mouth a little bit you taste things you haven't tasted the second one catches you up a little bit and then the third one you start to taste some of the nuance to it all right so if you're listening now uh graham just poured in some sparkling water and we're gonna try it with the sparkling water and the ice see what that's all about I'm trying to decide which one i like better the one that was regular or the one with the sparkling water or the one that was straight. The whole concept is to uh, set it up like you would a spirited experience. So we wanted something that was bold and complex and sippable enough to drink on the rocks, um, but then dynamic enough to coexist in a no proof or low proof cocktail. So um, it's really just getting people. And I think this segues into a little bit what we were just talking about, but our uh, sip with intention, right, is kind of what we use as a, as a core brand uh, message to, to work around. And I think it extrapolates into we want to do everything with intention as a brand and a business, right? Much more than just sip with intention. But we've been a generation that has luckily been exposed to whole foods and kind of thinking about what you eat and why you eat it and when you eat it. But when it comes to drinking booze, we're finally starting to come around and think about what we're putting inside our bodies in these like traditional adult bev drinking moments. And we wanted you to feel like you were having a premium experience of sipping something that was worthy on the rocks, but not necessarily like, oh, this is whiskey that doesn't have actual whiskey in it. So I feel like I'm getting shortchanged. Uh, we wanted you to, you know, feel like you were having a, a totally legit worthy experience, but then just remove the alcohol out of it. Yeah. It's super cool for me to see because having been somebody that sips maker's mark on the rocks, mm -hmm. that was my go-to when I went to weddings. The reason I drank that at weddings mostly is because I didn't want to pay for the maker's mark <laughs> on my own. <laughs> so the open bars at the weddings that had those like, damn, that was what I was drinking. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of reminds me of that experience and the bottle as well, where it, literally looks like an alcoholic beverage with really clean branding and um, that sophistication that you're talking about um, without obviously the negatives that alcohol has because everybody listening to this probably already knows this, but I think I'm 
This is 15 months that yeah, I haven't I know. had an Congratulations. alcohol Congratulations. That's badass. Um, yeah, literally, what is today's date? The 8th? Um, so in three days, it'll be 15 months. Um, so for anybody else out there, this ha- uh, Graham's product has been one that I've been sharing to a bunch of people because especially in my male friend group where it's when you go to these other events and everybody else is drinking, it's more of a peer pressure thing of I don't want to be one getting these questions of like, why am I not drinking and all these things? And it's sad that our society has gotten to that point. But if I'm going to sit here and help people get to a level where they can have the intent of I'm going to go to this wedding or I'm going to go to uh, this gathering and I'm not going to drink alcohol, Mm -hmm. but I do want something to just feel like a part of the group because these are friends that I grew up with. This product, I haven't seen any, any match the, the level of sophistication or the ability to what you just did live here was super cool where you're taking one product and now having multiple variations of ways to drink it because I can go into a local store and get like a CBD sparkling water. I can get other type of mocktail types of drinks, but like that's the drink that I'm having that night. You can't, you can't mix it in or even like maybe somebody that does drink just wants to drink two alcoholic drinks in a night and then they want to switch to this because it kind of gives you that that feeling. So the, the next thing that I really wanted to ask you is when we're talking about intentionality, like it's a whole spectrum of mind, body and spirit when it comes to actually taking the action because some of the worst things in society have happened with great intentions, right. unfortunately. So on your website, I love how y'all talk about sipping with intention. Then you go one step further where it's the mind and body work from the inside out. Right. What does that encompass? Like when you when you put that out there as like one of your first statements that I would see about your brand, what does that mean? Um, I think it actually goes in line with even some of the artwork that we've created here. And, and ultimately, if I even back it up a step to answer that question, we wanted to make as big of an impact as possible around what we define as intentional sipping, right? We are not a sober company or a sober brand who pushes sobriety and scary, you know, alcohol is going to do all these bad things for you. We can get into some of that stuff because, you know, there is a lot of info there. Um, but we thought we could have the biggest impact by taking this approach that showed that there are levels of of behaviors and people that are between sober and like getting hammered all the time. Like there are, you know, you can have a cocktail and then follow it up with two non-alcoholic cocktails and have an awesome time. And that's your sort of behavior and, and your, your strategy for sipping with intention. So us defining sipping with intention is on the sliding scale that as long as you were being thoughtful about what works for you and why it works for you, that's where the sipping with intention kind of originated and came from. And that's also why we have this approach when it comes to like the form factor of the product is that we wanted to create something that was like the base pour of something you could either sip on the rocks or create a cocktail out of because that is the behavior that people enjoy doing with premium spirits. And we wanted to replicate that experience, not just force them to drink. Hey, here's a pre-mixed, ready to drink, sparkling something in a can, and you just drink it that way. We wanted to give you some optionality to create your intentional kind of practice when it came to 
what you were drinking on a Tuesday night. You know, you're knocking out emails late or you're getting up early for a workout. You know, maybe I want to sip something on the rocks today, or maybe I want to, you know, make a cocktail out of it. And there was something to replicating the experience outside of what the liquid itself tasted like. I mean, you hit the nail on the head many times. It's about the, the premium worthy experience. You know, we think of liquor or, you know, wine, beer, it's, it's a, generally sort of sexy vibe, good looking people, interesting origin stories, interesting ingredient stories, but ultimately we're still selling alcohol, which we, you know, can tie some negative things to, right? But just because we're taking the alcohol piece out of it, why can't we be as intentional around a premium product that makes us feel like we're having the same type of experience, but just not delivering the alcohol? And even... More so, just that branding of sipping with intentionality, it crosses over to everything that you're doing. It's not just talking about product as a product, right? But when you're talking about the experiences that you're having at different events or in these gatherings, from every conversation that you enter to how you're responding to those conversations to the question you ask, like all those should be done with intentionality rather than just like this programming that we seem to have. So like for me, if we're talking specifically alcohol and, and drinking, the problem I, I've had in the past is what does intentionality not look like? And that's where I go into the setting where I'm like, yeah, I got something tomorrow morning and I, I need to like kind of dial it down. And then I get two drinks in and then right. I'm hammered. Correct. Because once I get two in, it's like, oh, I'm going to let the governor go and right. I'm going to completely forget about that thing that I have to do tomorrow morning. And like, that's what I struggled with the most. And for people out there, I feel like that's a huge struggle for, for a lot of people. It's not necessarily that the product isn't innately bad. So the alcohol isn't innately bad. It's more so when that gets inside of me, I'm making bad choices. Sure. And if you have a product that even is just encouraging people to make better choices, that's exactly in every scenario. That's exactly of life, what it. That's exactly. That's why. That's why I love the fact that uh, you've created something that that sparks that. Well, I, I mean, I think you're a perfect person to talk to. Just you know, looking at all the um, you know the stories and things that you share around your life. I mean, you're, you take a super intentional approach to most everything that you do. Right. And there, it also brings up this, this piece, uh, you know, it's later 2022 right now where you talk about like hustle culture, right? Like hustle mm. culture was a, was a thing that was inspirational. Then it sort of became like hustle culture is now sort of bad and over grinding and driving people, but there still is, I think something to working hard and, you know, doing the things that you want to do and, you know, squeeze every, you know, bit of life out of what we have. Right. Um, and I think, again, what does over hustling look like for different people? I think, again, it's, it's a sliding scale, you know, yours, your amount of work or, you know, the amount of you hustle might be a little bit different than mine, but as long as I'm being intentional about my behaviors and attitude towards things that I know can rob me from some of the goals that I want to get done or some of the, the work or workouts that I want to knock out. You know, I just want to be intentional, um, with the way that I approach it. And I applaud you for your fifth coming up on 15 months of, uh, sobriety. I am not sober, um, myself, but I live a relatively clean Monday through Thursday, um, lifestyle because I am building business and I am raising a daughter and I just think it's 
generally, you know, generally good for my uh, gut, brain, skin, and sleep health to be mindful about those things. Um, and then when I do imbibe, I'm doing it with some set of intention or parameters in a zone of, you know, I have Tennyson. I enjoy drinking a gin martini. I'll drink a gin martini and then I'll have followed up with two Tennyson cocktails. So we still get to hang out for three cocktails worth of time, but I only drank one cocktail worth of booze. I, I love that you're saying this. And I, the way that I've looked at it is I hated going to a store buying products that I didn't really want to buy. And what I mean by this is when I would go to a party I didn't necessarily want the product that was in front of me, but there's no alternative. And then I didn't want to pay the cost of that, but how many other things in our life are we just fronting money for, if we're going to use money as an example, that we don't necessarily want to pay for, but we end up doing it anyway because of the pressure around us or there's no alternative. Right. And I think if I... If, if we lived now, like when I was a teenager, I think I would have done things differently just because of the culture around things is a little bit different. There's a lot more options out there where I might have learned to do what you, you just said you do. But the cost for me, like to the point that I got to in my life was just not worth it anymore. It's like, what's the cost? Like, what's the cost of this? If I know that I have this habit of going a little bit too far then I'm just going to like take that cost out and then look for an alternative to that. Now that there is, uh, I, I can't say that enough. Like that's really what I try to get to people is just like live, li live the life that you want, right. but understand the cost of it. So if you have totally. 10 tequila shots, like there's a cost to that. Correct. Um, <laughs> Correct. I mean, your dignity is one of them. And then obviously <laughs> the hangover is going to really, really hurt. Um, but for me, it was really about, okay, if I'm going to be the best athlete that I could potentially be, I don't want to not be able to go out and have the experiences that ever people have. I want to feel that sophisticated, that, that vibe, but I have to wake up and train the next day. So it's like, I think a lot of people will be in the scenario that I'm in and, and then put that on other people. But it's like other people don't have to wake up and train. Like, that's not Correct. their thing. So exactly. it's like, if they want to have a gin cocktail or a tequila or whatever floats your boat, um, I'm also not the guy that's like sober or die. Um, mm -hmm. And who knows, like, I talk to my wife about this all the time. It's like, if we go to Italy and we're in the vineyards in Italy and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have a glass of wine. It's not, it's not, there's no like sticky point for me. Um, but I'd love to kind of talk a little bit more about the creation of Tennyson because literally I'm holding this bottle up right now as we're talking and it's beautiful, Thank but you. I know that businesses don't go from zero to this overnight. Uh, there's a lot that goes in between that. What was the first iteration of Tennyson. Did it even have this name or was it something yeah, so, else? I mean, we can really get into the weeds on it, but I, this is actually my third company and brand that I have started. And I actually started originally in liquor, which I think is core to my um, story. And, and before that, I, I'm a trained engineer from schooling, came to Austin as an engineer, kind of quickly realized that wasn't the path that seemed to fulfill me. I'd always wanted to do my own thing. What is a train engineer? Trained as oh. in I went to college for, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Train engineer. I was like, trains? Yeah, like, yeah, let's shoot. talk about trains. I, say, I have my two-year-old daughter. She talks about train engineers all the time. <laughs> um, but I was trained as an engineer, but I ultimately never wanted to be a practicing engineer. I think why I even chose that path. I happen to be good at math and science and I've read some article, you know, back in my teens about, you know, over... 50% of Fortune 500 CEOs were 
engineers to begin. I think with. I read the same article. Right, right. <laughs> and, it was, and it was just like it introduces problem solving and some level of analytical skills. Um, but I never ultimately like wanted to end up as an engineer. Got me to Austin, which I'm super grateful for. But I ended up starting a, a, a more traditional liquor company. So there's a style of liquor called Absinthe. Have you ever heard about mm -hmm. Absinthe? So but I don't know much about it. So, so Absinthe came kind of back to the U.S. in 2007, 2008. It was outlawed for nearly 100 years. It was kind of went by the wayside around the, the temperance movement, kind of early 20th century. But ultimately, Absinthe was back in the U.S. I was young and wanted to do my own thing. And literally the boxes I wanted to check off were, you know, how can I eat well, drink well, travel well. Tito's was starting to make some progress in Austin in, you know, the early 2000s. Uh, why not get into the liquor business? That's literally as simple as it was. And I just started reaching out to different people. I got in touch with this guy who's the author of the Absinthe Encyclopedia, who was a South African guy who was based out of London and convinced him to work with me to create an Absinthe brand. So we worked at one of two distilleries in the original hometown of Absinthe production and uh, distilled over in France imported through Austin and sort of at the peak, we sold in nine different states through nine different boutique wine and spirit distributors. So that was how I cut my teeth in sort of beverage hospitality, premium beverage hospitality. That brand was named Tennyson. So Alfred Lord Tennyson was the uh, inspiration at the time. And uh, we shelved it basically back in 2015. I then started another company called the Hate Stains Company uh, with a friend of mine. So that was hatestains.com. But I'd always had this Tennyson brand on the shelf that was an absinthe that you know we no longer sold. There's a guy in spirits called Sidney Frank who has since passed away, but he became real famous for making Jägermeister real big. 70s, 80s, 90s, obviously we all know Jägermeister. Jäger bombs. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> and he created... Grey Goose Vodka and sold it to Bacardi for over $2 billion. Wow. Um, kind of actually around the same time that I was starting this this brand. But Grey Goose was a wine he had imported 20 years earlier. Didn't work that well. He had rights to the name and reused it for a vodka, which obviously worked out really well. So I used that some of my as some of my inspiration with Tennyson. You know, maybe this Tennyson 2.0 reinvigoration of the name now as a non-alc could be as successful as his uh, reuse of the Grey Goose name. But fast forwarding through the Hate Stains company, we had an exit earlier this year, which was really, really um, successful and an awesome experience to have. But a couple of years ago, um, I sort of moved on from active daily management of that company and connected with a good friend of mine who was a roommate in college. I was the best man in his wedding. He was in my wedding and he was coming from plant-based wellness, kind of particularly skincare, we were both talking about what we wanted to work on next. We started looking at this category of non-alc alternatives. It was kind of emerging. Some articles were being written about it. We looked at what was available, and it seemed to us like a lot of the products skewed a little more like light, floral, female. We wanted something you keep commenting kind of on the package. We wanted something to feel like premium dark whiskey-ish, but not necessarily try to mock or mimic like the flavors of whiskey, but more of the experience of we can pour something on the rock, sip it, or build a cocktail out of it. That's kind of where the concept came from.
What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Graham. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Graham Wasilishin. Got a good friend of ours who's done us a bunch of solid creative work, uh, some in kind, some paid to get to a spot. I mean, he's literally world-class creative designer. And then we even brought in more sort of lucky connects from a creative position. This guy, Jeff Staple, you commented about my sweatshirt earlier. Jeff Staple, it's based in New York City in LA. He's kind of an OG. Are you familiar with, have you ever heard of Virgil Abloh? You're familiar with Virgil Abloh? Sounds familiar. He, he unfortunately actually passed away earlier this year, but he was just, he was the creative director of Louis Vuitton. Jeff Staple kind of ran in that same circle of business guys that were super creative on the forefront of innovation when it came to like streetwear and culture. Um, and now he does all kinds of big business deals, but ultimately he started in 97, had a retail space in New York city called Reed space. Nike came to him in the early 2000s to do the first ever collab on their Nike skateboard shoe line, the staple pigeon dunk. Um, now as a iconic sneaker launched, I think in 2005, and Jeff continued to build and innovate and iterate. And I think he just launched a book this week called Not Just Sneakers or Beyond Sneakers. Um, but he, unbeknownst to a lot of people in his community and followers, is 20 years non-ALK. You know, he's been building business and being super creative and networking hardcore. And he realized 20 years ago that ALK wasn't serving him and his sort of path to, I say, iconic levels. And uh he actually joined the team. He's 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 a kind of a creative partner of ours. Him and his team at Reed Art Department is his a little marketing um, company that do work on really really neat projects. Um, they, from a foundational level, helped us to think through some of the creative and uh, deliver kind of what is in front of you today. And again, it's just my partner Michael and I have been hustling this thing since we kind of came up with the concept. And as you see, the universe sometimes connects you to the right people that are in the right spots to deliver something that makes you feel like it's a totally worthy alternative to sipping something that might not be helping you get to where you need to be. So what year did you start the original Tennyson? So the original Tennyson absinthe was 09. And then we stopped it basically the end of 2014, beginning of 2015. And then we didn't really start selling this Tennyson. Um, it is 
sort of a, a new company, the old Tennyson company has a little spot on the cap table because we took the, you know, the name and the website and the social handles and that type of stuff. But we've started reinvigorating this then to kind of right around the beginning of COVID. The plan was a little different. COVID obviously threw a monkey wrench into things and slowed things down, but uh, it was years in between the two brands. And we never thought it was going to be anything that was like confusing because the first first iteration of Tennyson was never big enough that it would be confusing. Um, and we kind of took it for a fresh start and people are responding super positively to kind of what we've set up this time. Did you ever think you'd be sitting here on your birthday talking about a plant-based alternative to alcohol? <laughs> like, let's think... go, let's go back to your college. Hell no. You know, I probably think you're drinking cocktails and doing crazy things on your <laughs> birthday, but at the same time, you know, Hopefully we all learn and grow and are in different seasons of, of our life. We were just talking about my, my daughter just turned two last week. So, you know, I'm in a different spot in my life and my focus is really on building business and kind of taking care of a, a growing family. So I'm actually, you know, I'm pumped to be here with you, a guy who's super intentional and mindful and creative building all kinds of things yourself to, sh you know, to sit down and have this conversation and how bad has it badass is it that we get to sip on tennis and while we have this chat you know yeah already finished two glasses of it super good <laughs> um gonna hold off on my third because mm. i will drink the whole bottle <laughs> it's, it's your bottle though so you do do with it what you will um the reason i ask that though is because a lot of people listening and i mean myself included it's i mean i started thrive technically in like 2016, I believe. So we're like six years and it's just like, I'm still trying to figure out like what it's going to become and like, what's this, what's the second rendition of what I'm trying to do. And the people out there that are looking to start something, it can take upwards of a decade or some, in some people's case, like two decades to really figure out what that groove is that you're trying to do. But the key thing that you did was you had an idea and you just ran with it. Was that taught or did you have any books or mentors or because you're you're super not only creative in the business sense but it seems like you have uh the right frame of mind and the right mental fortitude for entrepreneurship was that always something that you showcase because I, I come from the engineering entrepreneurship world as well and like Rutgers and Rutgers is on the east coast like Virginia Tech where you went and I didn't have any experience with entrepreneurship outside of like mowing lawns and doing things that were entrepreneurial, but there was no like books or people around me that were like showing me mm -hmm. business. And I'd love to learn a little bit more of your story of where that, that mental model that sure. kind of seemed to have sure, started. Sure. Uh, appreciate it. And I think, I think curiosity is, is the beginning of it, right? Just, just being curious. Anybody probably listening to your, their, your podcast here, has some level of initial curiosity in entrepreneurship and being mindful and intentional, right? So that's the the first step. I was lucky that my, my dad actually got laid off when I was younger and started his own business, which became successful. So I had some exposure in my direct household to an entrepreneur who was making it work. You know, it wasn't any crazy, you know, massive global brand, but it was, you know, a successful company that took care of the family. But I, I tell one story, and I think we were talking about this earlier, of when I came to Austin as an engineer, knowing that I didn't ultimately want to be an engineer, 
I started at Samsung Semiconductor here. That's who brought me to Austin straight from school. And it was right when they were starting to build the second fab, which is Semiconductor Factory. And I think there's like 145 undergrad students that they hired in the summer. Started on four different start dates. I don't know, maybe the second start date or third start date. But um, we had some level, I don't know, it was a couple months of like, training and bringing you up to speed and rotations and things. But I, I recall on the, I think it was the second day of work. I started on, I think July 12th. So it was like July 14th, 2006. The president of Samsung came down to talk to these new college hires. And he made some comment about how his door is always open. Come see him. Want to learn more about the business and some sort of offhanded comment like that. I then came in early the next day and went to the president's office and he has like a secretary sitting outside and said, Hey, I'm here to see the president met him yesterday at this orientation thing. And he said, he always has this open door policy. And she was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like you don't have a meeting with him. I'm like, what do you, <laughs> what do you mean? And she, I said, he, he literally yesterday invited us to see him at any time. And she called him and he said, yeah, send him right in. And I went in and ended up spending 30, 40 minutes chatting with him about my two days of experience so far and what my goals were and thoughts were. And ultimately that put me on a path that the other 144 college, you know, new college hires were not on. And he said to me, no one, he'd been given that speech a long time and no one had ever taken him up on it, let alone the next day. And, you know, that's not something that you learn in a book. That's not something that you need to see. All it is, is, you know, taking a very small risk and being curious about what would it look like if I went up to his office and sat down and we had an awesome time and I actually then was placed into this permanent role at Samsung that was very different than what any of the other kids where I was reporting directly to a director and basically supporting C-suite management of the company. And I think a lot of that was driven by that one 30 minute meeting and just taking that little curious risk. It wasn't, you know, it's not like you needed four years of teaching or seven mentors to do that. And I think I've just taken that same type of attitude into these different brands and businesses and reached out to people at the top of places said, Hey, I'm young and curious and hungry, interested in talking about some of this stuff. And that's, I think helped us along the way for sure. You turned something that was to most people, just an everyday speech, and you turned it into an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And where most people, I think, fail is they just do what they're told. And I mean, we're conditioned to do this throughout school. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, I'm just gonna do up to what I need to do to get the grade. Versus most people don't understand that like world-class results come from menial opportunity, meaning like it's everyday stuff that just gets falls through the cracks. I've noticed this just with myself and other other people um, around me. It's, I think for the most part, most people are so caught up in their own story and their own life that when they were hearing him give that speech, like, first of all, how many people in there didn't even hear him say that? Uh, yeah. They don't, that's not what they're listening Correct. to. Correct. Right? So that trained listening and problem solving for yourself is something that I was talking to a buddy of mine yesterday 
about you said you loved math and science and we're sitting there talking about like well how could schools change to increase the level of opportunity for everybody and our conclusion was the main focus should be logic and reasoning and when kids enter school like they sh there shouldn't be grades it should be like you shouldn't move on to like these other extracurricular stuff until you have a solid understanding of like what logic and reasoning is and in, in your case and in a business case like logic would look like okay this guy's the president talking to me what is the quickest way for me to get the information i need to make an impact in my vicinity here well it's like talk to somebody that's super high up, that's probably been here for a while and has a lot of touch points, he's going to be able to give me better information than if I go talk to whoever just got an entry-level employee. Like he's going to have a lot more knowledge to give me in a 30-minute span. So if you think logically like that, then your opportunity that you open up for yourself makes sense. Right. Versus most people are th aren't thinking logically, they're thinking with their feelings. They're thinking, oh my God, if I go to this president, there's no way like he's going to let me in and I'm going to look like an idiot and I'm right, going to do this. Right. And That's I, how most people are. Right. I, I, there are two things. One, one to highlight is I also thought of too, not just like learning the information from him, but if I'm going to have an advocate within this ecosystem, who's the advocate that you want to have? I think that is probably the number one. Why not start with your goals, you know, like at the top, top and then number two i've learned it more and i actually went through some more professional coaching earlier this year because we're always learning right that curiosity is so interesting and should be rewarded it's not about like you need to look one way or look smart or look like you have the right answer i think having the right questions is not even the right questions having questions in general i mean that's how i went to that meeting, which is now 16 years ago. I don't even remember what questions I asked, but someone who comes to me, and I'll use another example, a MBA candidate who was going to University of Michigan, who has now since become a really good friend of mine, reached out last year because I had, I think, introduced myself and our brand on a Slack channel that was in like a consumer goods Slack channel thing. And he reached out to me directly and said, you know, he was getting his MBA. He's really interested in like very early stage consumer goods companies that are making a positive impact in people's lives and yada, yada, yada. And we connected and, you know, ultimately he, he ended up asking for, you know, a paid salary and things like that as an intern. And I just said, we're not in a position to do that, but I'm more than happy to make myself available as a resource. If you want to commit three hours a week or whatever, and, you know, give you feedback on the projects that you're working on and do that type of thing. And he went above and beyond. He's getting his MBA, right? Like you're told you get your MBA, then you make 140 K out of school and like get these jobs and whatever. But he was already doing that. Plus he was layering in the experience of working with a hands-on early stage consumer goods company that was making Im impact, which was important to him. So he was adding on to that experience and I actually just had a 45 minute phone call with him last night. He'd since graduated kind of works, uh, with a big multinational company we're all familiar with and wants to get more experience working with small startup brands. And we just had a back and forth for 45 minutes and I respect him so much, not only for the value he brought for the time that he invested in the Tennyson brand, but I respect him for 
pushing himself a little bit outside of his comfort zone and then asking questions. Like this guy who reached out to me asking questions, if he was on my team, I know he would be reaching out to other people, asking them questions to learn on our behalf. And I know it's a total asset. It's not him proving anything to me. It's just a guy who I know is going to push himself and be curious and find out the answers, really. I don't even remember what your original question no, that's, was. That's but. brilliant, though, because it's, again, going back to the education system, it's like we're always taught to find the answer to something rather than like, are we even asking ourselves the right question? Mm -hmm. And most people aren't asking themselves the right question. It sounds like this guy was asking himself the right question of like, what was it that I actually want to do? Right. Um, most people my wife has an MBA and I saw the other MBA students there and it was, they didn't really know what they wanted to do with their lives. And that's why they went and got an MBA. Cause it's like Correct. a two year it's break, like a break of like working. Exactly. Um, but then most of them don't end up actually figuring shit out. Cause they just go to the bars Correct. and they like waste the time. They don't actually go work. Right. They don't use the time to work on these things. So it was, it's cool to hear an actual story of, of somebody who, kind of is doing the path that I feel like everybody should do is like, okay, yes, you should have some structure, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, it's really what, what is fulfilling to you. And this is where my curiosity is. There's a lot of people out there that have CPG ideas. Like mm -hmm. they, ha they have product ideas. What is the first step anybody should take if they're in belief that they're going to jump into the CPG because this is what happens when you any anytime you say CBG, people are like, it's too hard, mm -hmm. it's this, it's impossible. And not enough people being like, no, like you can bring your idea to life. And even if it doesn't become what you think in your head it's gonna become, it's gonna be a worthwhile endeavor. Right. Um, I think from a from a where to start standpoint, yeah, it's right. Like an idea is ideas are dime a dozen, right? Everybody has some idea about how some incremental change to some product can, you know, be the next big thing, but it really all should think of it on such a small scale. And it, I think the easiest thing to do is use yourself as a consumer. Like, I think people think that way, right? Like I like this, I don't like this, I would like this, which can be good and bad, can be good in that it can, help you test some initial ideas of like, to me, Tennyson as a product really fits a need that I wanted. And I wanted something sort of premium and sophisticated and sort of, I could architect it around what I want, but you can do that from a concept at least, but then bring in, you know, most people have at least a few friends or family members as a resource to say like, Hey, how would you think about this? Would you like this? Again, it's about the curiosity and asking the right questions. And there's so much more, um, I think, information that is just publicly available of, you know, we could look at what non-alcoholic alternative products are for sale at Whole Foods, HEB, online. You know, there are things that you can do some level of research on just by yourself before you just say like, okay, I need it. So now I'm going to make this deal, but put together a, a concept of how it fits in and why and learn from other brands that are doing it. And then like the gentleman I mentioned earlier, I think there's so many people that are willing to help that might be closer to, let's say you, you're working a traditional engineering corporate job, but you want to do something with athletic gear or something, right? I mean, a food or a beverage. I'm sure there are some local companies that are 
doing something not necessarily similar, maybe similar to what you want to do, but that are inspirational to you that you can work, you know, reach out to. And this is another big point that I think you touch on in a, in a lot of the things that you share, CJ, is you increase your chances of success with more investment, right? If you invest in yourself and, and I think the guy I mentioned earlier had originally asked for a paid internship, but I said, unfortunately, that just didn't work for where we were as a business. And he still committed four hours a week is an investment of his time into gaining experience around better for you beverage alternatives, right? So if you have an idea concept, I think you can look at other products, take some notes about it, share with your, your immediate kind of community, get some feedback about that. But then there are also people, again, if someone reached out to me and said, Hey, I'm a local who wants to make an impact in non-alk stuff, you know, can I help you for two hours a week work on something? It would definitely be something we consider and figure out how to bring them up to speed. And if they can help us make an impact or just help make an impact in general, and we can bring them up to speed, there's no reason that we couldn't do that. And then you realize all these little decisions you've made about research, thinking it through, getting feedback from your friends, connecting with some other local entrepreneurs, kind of doing something similar. You then have momentum and can create a, you know, if it is a food or beverage item, then maybe you connect with a local kitchen space that you can then create something that you can sell at a farmer's market or test online. You know, now you can throw up a Shopify site for relatively cheap and try to see if people will respond to what it is that, or even pre sign up for something and share it within your community. And you can go to somebody, then even a local investor and say, Hey, I have 250 people who have committed to buying this thing. I'm not even created it yet. And you've really spent very little money, but shown that you're thoughtful, intentional, curious. And those are the things that I think are the most valuable. To summarize what you just said, it makes me think about two things, talk about it and be about it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people have ideas, but they go to their grave without ever like voicing them and bringing them to life. So start talking about whatever that idea is. Mm -hmm. Then you have this other subset of people who are really good at doing that, talking about what they dream of and what they want to do or writing about it, but they're not really about it. They're not really about, am I willing to work for quote unquote free mm -hmm. on this thing? And that's where before you even hopped on the podcast, like we're over 200 episodes in. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's awesome. It's free labor for myself, meaning mm -hmm. like the hours that I spend working on this, like it's not, there's no tangible metric to how much this is going to result in for me every time I do it. But the improvements every single week is just something that you learn to then kind of like cross over into other channels of your life. Right. And that's where I think most people they're overthinking the things. So I love the answer how you didn't really have anything specific other than just like start talking about it, asking questions and like go find people that are already doing it. And that's a big thing for me. And I've said this on the podcast before is like, if you're new at doing anything, the goal isn't necessarily to be the best at it. The goal is to find the best person at it and then learn from them. That's right. going to speed you up so much quicker. And best, obviously, also is subjective. When we're talking about CPG products, there's just so many layers as you're growing. 
what has been some of the problems that you've had to face going from let's 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 scratch the first tennis and let's only talk about version 2.0 and let's scratch covid so outside of those two things like what are some things that have come to the forefront where you had to like really sit down and try to figure some things out so it's particular to consumer goods and it's a key to consumer goods success but the economics of a product right you have this product you buy it in the store it costs x amount of money how do you get it into the store what does it cost you do you need to bring in a distributor do you need to bring in sales brokers like what does that look like and again if you're an engineer unrelated to consumer goods you can just go to if it is a bottle of liquor you can go to the liquor store and talk to the man or the woman behind the counter and just ask general questions like how does this business work like or distributors what are the type of margins most people just enjoy feeling like they have the answers to those type of questions and will tell you that stuff anyway it's, it's not like hard to figure it out and find it but the biggest challenge especially for this brand with something that you know kind of delivers as premium of a packaging experience and stuff that we do is how can we make it all make sense as in dollars and cents especially starting with a very limited budget and producing such small like it's overused term but small batches but such small amounts of things when let's say for one ingredient let's just say a ginger you know if we buy you know the small amount of ginger because we only need to fill a couple thousand bottles it costs this much but if we bought a hundred times that it would be much cheaper and we can make the numbers work a lot better but we're just not selling it there so i mean those are conversations that we have on a weekly basis of how can we make the pricing work that the ultimate kind of customer of ours is happy paying the price they feel like they're getting the value that Tennyson delivers as well as us the whole way along the supply chain delivering the value to our partners that our distributors want to make that you know the margin that they want to make our retailers want to make the margin that they want to make we then have all these other costs about you know events and advertising giving out sample bottles and and then the things that are the cap and the glass and the cardboard and the shipping and all of those things it's overwhelming at some point but it's also just so core and basic to i need to sell something for a price that people feel that delivers value and we need to be able to make money on it and you look at a lot of these tech companies you know they they build these products and they scale these platforms and they're not making any money and they figure out how to make money sort of like on the back end of it right and some consumer brands take that approach and throw a lot of money into it and just get to such a scale that eventually they figure out how to make money but i think it's becoming more and more clear that small startup brands need to be really thoughtful around margins their costs and does the the business case make sense for our partners along the sort of supply chain and sales channels to make money even as a small business so you can continue to grow sort of organically and intentionally without having to take too many risks because you're in such a hard spot because you haven't set up the foundation of uh you know this thing cost me two dollars to make and i sell it for ten dollars and therefore there's enough money to go around and continue to grow the business where some people you know 
this thing cost me nine fifty to make and I have to sell it for ten, you know, that's a lot harder business to, you know, grow organically and not take crazy risks with, you know. How did you come about formulation of the product and its taste? So I'm the only sort of beverage guy that was part of, like I said, my, my good friend, Michael was a co-founding partner. And then we have a, another buddy from college who's, who's more uh, investment banker ish guy. So he's kind of the hands-off guy who just comes in and says no, but nobody has done uh, beverage really other than me. So they trusted me. So that's kind of like, it started with me. And then, like I said, I used the guardrails of, we didn't want to mock or mimic something that already existed. We want to take an original path. And we wanted to hang our hats on like bold, complex, sophisticated flavor that held up over rocks or could be the base of a no or low proof cocktail. So that's like, we defined that and set that at the beginning. The other piece that kept popping up was like safety. Like me, I know beverage from like a drinking standpoint, but not from a ingredients and shelf life and stuff like that. So I mean, there are tons of resources. There's like Naturally Austin in Austin is a resource for, you can sign up. I think it's super affordable, you know, a couple bucks a month to go hear speakers and talk about things. And then there was a guy at one of those events who is a big company based in Chicago and they do formulation for small, you know, natural food and beverage products. And then through that connection, I literally went up and talked to that guy after he spoke at an event similarly to speaking to the president back in the day of, you know, you just got to go ask questions and then got connected with this other group in Florida. And it's kind of a husband and wife team. They originally created a, I think it was a cold pressed juice line. And I'm not quite sure what happened with that business, but that's where they got their experience. And then they created a little consulting company that does uh, natural food and Bev sort of supply chain management and uh, formulation stuff. We worked on it, went back and forth for about a year and a half till we got to a spot where um, I think they literally have like a little lab that a couple people work in and would ship samples back and forth. And then they kind of get on the phone as our advocate when we're looking for co-packers who help us, you know, who are the ones who ultimately like build the product for us and pack the product for us. And they are then on our side as an independent sort of defender of our needs and our wants as a brand where, you know, we've heard a lot of stories about co-packers who take advantage of small brands and people and things. And there are also really good ones out there who, you know, put the, the brand and the sort of small founding teams first, but these guys particularly worked on our behalf to create the liquid. You know, we shared it within our like friend circles, family circles, and some people were like, it's funny. They, they had no idea what it was going to taste like. And as soon as they tasted it, they're like, Oh, this makes, this makes more sense. Now I understand it, but you can't understand it until you put that liquid to lips. And even still, some people were kind of like, I understand it, but it's still, I'm not sure how the true real world is going to take this. But our first production run, we sold out quicker than we thought we were going to. We got all kinds of positive feedback and reviews. And, you know, sometimes you just got to, you got to roll the dice at some point, but we tasted it as, you know, with as much of our like hyper local community as we possibly could and got it to a spot where it is today, I guess. It tastes great. It tastes thank amazing. You. And just want to thank you again for showing up on your birthday and oh, giving me a little uh, cocktail, mocktail taste test right here live. 
we're getting towards the, the end of the conversation. And before we go into the wrap up questions, uh, I kind of have a question around where is Tennyson going? So what's like the major dream of this brand and of this product? Are you going to have other products come out sure. under the same sure. name? So, or like so, yeah, the... yeah, yeah. So ultimately like we want to make an impact at very high level of having people sip with intention and question like, why am I drinking the things that I'm drinking? What should I be drinking? What works for me? Right? Like that's the ultimate goal. And we think that will lead to, you know, people getting more stuff done, being healthier, being happier, all the above. Right. So that's like ultimate long-term where we want to be. It's our job to then like remove roadblocks for people to more easily sip with intention. Right. So creating a cool package and like having it in the right place and having it priced correctly. These are all roadblocks to people to just make it easier for them to pick up a bottle and choose a no or low proof option when they're going to drink. So we launched with this. We wanted to make sure we could get one right. This is uh, our, our black ginger flavor. Um, ginger forward has some, you know, dandelion, gentian root for bitterness, some Valencia orange, a bunch of different um, ingredients that are like generally old botanical and good for you. But we also know it's not for everybody. So want to extend the line. So think something like leafy, grassy, dark and fruity, earthy, umami, different kinds of flavors that are original in approach, but still deliver that bold, complex, sophisticated, sippable on the rocks or in a no or low proof cocktail experience. And we're going to do some stuff in smaller format that we're actually currently working on. So think even like airlines and what you can drink as a premium beverage on an airline as of now you have like sparkling water and sodas and booze and beer and wine but people who are building business are on airlines a lot the other thing that just you know <laughs> that i that it got me thinking was the world series just happened mm -hmm. so like popping bottles <laughs> well i also think yeah. yeah popping bottles at like like celebrations. you're talking athletes that Correct. totally drink so we took a, yeah. as a quick, I know we're wrapping up, but we took a little um, investment from Michael Red. Michael Red's 11-time NBA All-Star, gold medal winner in retirement, has become a super successful entrepreneur and investor. And obviously he's a world-class athlete, surrounds himself with world-class athletes as well as entrepreneurs and investors. And you know he shares his perspective with us around how we can get more athletes involved in thinking about like, Hey, what are the things that make sense for me? And I think they've got relatively dialed in food and Bev programs kind of during season. But when it comes to these like celebratory moments, it's still kind of the standard champagnes and booze and those type of things. Tennyson is as badass, if not more badass, because it is becoming a flex to say, yo, I'm being mindful and intentional about this stuff. And I've got something super premium to drink. So I think the athlete is definitely someone, the athlete, the entrepreneur, the creator. We say we made it for cre creators. So people that are, you know, kind of creating their own future, creating business, creating content where you need to be thoughtful and intentional and obviously want to kind of uh, get the most out of your own body and your own life. Um, and right now we're mainly focused in Austin. Like we happen to live in one of the best places in the country that is really interested in kind of taking some risks when it comes to new products and trying new things when it comes to habit and exercise. And we're really focused on and believe that if we can win and dominate in Austin, there's no reason that we can't scale and dominate everywhere else across the country, let alone 
beyond the borders of the country. Um, but we're hyper-focused on winning in Austin. We're going to end on the flex. I love that. <laughs> Flexing on them. How does somebody, if they loved what they heard today, two things. Normally we ask how they get in touch with you, Graham, but I want to help them get in touch with this product. Sure. So if someone wants to purchase this product, where do they go? Sure. It's easiest thing right now is Tennyson.com. So you can just buy it on Tennyson.com. We ship in Austin, ship from Austin. So you probably get it next day. Um, but we also are just getting kicked off. Uh, Twin Liquors just took their first couple cases. Specs, Austin Shaker. So some of the kind of core names around town. First actual account that started carrying us was on South Congress, Tiny Grocer. They always have really neat, interesting, unique things to go taste there. But you can either get it from us on the web. And then we have some other uh, partners that are doing things kind of across the country. Boisan is a group, uh, West Coast, East Coast. You can buy it from them online, Better Roads. Um, Sipple out in Houston is the first non-alp package store in the state of Texas. They've got all kinds of neat things that you can taste. But uh, shoot us a note. Tennyson Instagram is a good, easy way to get in touch with us. Tennyson.com as well. You can get in touch with us. And I try to respond to as many things myself as I can directly. Awesome. Fucking love it. Um, can't wait to buy some of this and put it in. We find it. I was telling you before we jumped on, I finally got to the house set up where I can have people over, have some grills, grills and chills. And uh, this is definitely one of the products that we got to add in. Uh, not just for me, but I'm a big sharer. Totally. So the other beautiful thing that I didn't talk about on this is just like, I can't really, like most of the time I'm drinking sparkling waters like this. It's like I could throw somebody a can, but it's much more personal experience if I can create yeah, make a cocktail, a for cocktail somebody, or a know? cocktail. Exactly. For so, I, I use the word cocktail, that. but I'm saying zero proof cocktail. Yeah. I'm just big on people understand the word mocktail, so I'm not going to trash it, but uh, the, the cocktail zone I think we're not mocking or mimicking anything. We're doing our own thing original. Yeah, we're I not trying that. to mock. We're doing zero proof or no proof or low proof cocktails. So being able to flex, you know, with the homies pouring some cool zero proof, low proof cocktails, um, you know, Tennyson is all about that. And I think it really is a, is a good product to kind of share with your, with your crew for sure. Love that. Last question we always ask everybody is if I were to ask you what thriving means to you. So if you have to define the word thriving, what comes to mind first? Mm. Definitely lends itself to positivity, but I also, and this is a, a friend, a good friend of mine, Kyle brought this up to me years ago when I think I was bitching about something that was either going on with the hate stains company or original Tennyson. But he was like, you are so lucky. You get to get to build and try to figure out these challenges every day. And it, you know, you might not have the answer or get to the answers that you need, but just continuing the, energy and the the mind space to be positive around like overcoming challenges i think is kind of what what thriving is it's not necessarily like being at the end of something it's just that i am bringing energy on a consistent basis to continuously like build or grow or improve or learn i think that's what thriving is about that there's a positive energy around overcoming challenges and building and growing and learning I love that response and it's very much something that I've tried to live. It's just like, I love how you said it's not the end of anything. It's just, it's just constantly growing, adapting and utilizing that energy over and over and over and over again. And at the end of every episode, I kind of run through what my biggest takeaway was. And this is a pretty easy one. Everybody that's listening to this, 
just be like Graham and go knock on the president's door. <laughs> yeah. Like totally. literally it's that simple. Knock on the president's door in as many areas of your life as possible. And you never know right. what that door could lead to. So if you listen to this, you loved what you heard uh, and you want to try this product, go to Tennyson.com. Just like Graham said, reach out to him. I uh, would love to connect y'all. That's the biggest thing that we try to do here at Thrive on Life is just to connect really cool people and help solve problems and inspire people and motivate them uh, to stop surviving and start thriving. So also, uh, if you love this and you can think of somebody that would love this episode as well. Please share it with them. Uh, give us that five-star rating. That's the best thing that you can do for us to help us grow our following and the people that um, we would love to help. So until next time, this is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Thrive on, y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.